And so to be there for 2014 was probably the most incredible sporting experience I've ever been a part of. And that, and I've been very, very blessed to have experienced national championship from college level, you know, playoff games and professional levels, um, international sporting events, and and seeing different crowds. Nothing will ever beat the emotion of the 2014 Boston Marathon. This is the Cream City Pacers podcast, hosted by me, Alex Main. This is a show that focuses on the runners of Milwaukee, who are helping pace our city. In today's episode, we sit down with Dr. Michael Gordon. Dr. Gordon shares some of his unbelievable running stories from how Boston was his first marathon to having a rifle pointed at him in China when he was on a run. At one point, Mike covered 100 sporting events a year. I'm not even sure I watch 100 sporting events in a year. So it's incredible to hear how dedicated Dr. Gordon is to his craft, whether he's working the sideline for a Bucks or a Marquette game, to helping runners as a physician advisor for the Badgerlands Striders. One thing is for certain, Dr. Gordon is dedicated to medicine, but he makes it a point to not let medicine define him. Today's episode is sponsored by Mimosa Breakfast and Brunch. Mimosa has been named the top brunch spot in Milwaukee multiple times. Located on 27th and Ryan Road in Franklin, Mimosa serves up your favorite breakfast dishes with a twist, like my favorite, the Greek yogurt banana split. Mimosa is open every day of the week from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can make your reservations at mimosabreakfast.com. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Cream City Pacers. Today on the show, we have Dr. Michael Gordon. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you on today. So uh, most of our guests on our show are runners, um, but outside of the 36 marathons you have run, you're an orthopedic surgeon. You are Marquette's team orthopedic physician. You were the Bucks team orthopedic physician. You um, have worked with top athletes from high school to the professional level. And you are also the physician advisor for the Badgerland Striders. Outside of all that, who's Mike Gordon? Wow. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me here. Um, this is a, a bit of a new experience for me, so looking forward to this. First uh, podcast, correct? First podcast. Well, um, welcome again, then. Thank you. You know, I, I've been very fortunate. I've had some uh, incredible opportunities in my career, and um, gotten to work some uh, work with and for some uh, fantastic people. So tried to uh, take a little piece along the, uh, the journey as we keep going to, to keep learning and uh, hopefully applying it to um, kind of everyone we get to treat, as you said, from uh, uh, my, my recreational athletes to uh, on to professional athletes. I love it. And I can't wait to dive deep a little bit in some of those topics. So let's start off with talking about how you got started with running. You haven't been a runner your entire life. No, I grew up as a soccer and tennis player. I'm, I'm a local guy that uh, graduated from Nicolet High School. And uh, um, when I went to college in Philadelphia, I was fortunate to uh, uh, play a little bit of football. Um, and football. My, at my size, I was a kicker. Uh, and uh, when I went off to med school in Boston, I watched the Boston Marathon my first year in med school because my good friends uh, ran it. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen of any sporting event I've ever been a part of. I'd never seen anything where there's so many people just cheering on everybody. It's not like you're cheering the side. You're not looking for, you know, this guy's good, this guy's bad. It's just everyone cheering on everybody. And um, med school is about mile 24. So people at that point are starting to break down a bit. Seeing people uh, feeling the rush from the crowd and just persevering and push through it, I'm like, I really want to try it. And so right after that, I started running in Boston. And uh, when you live there, everyone knows that the, uh, the bridges and the Charles River uh, knows the distance between them. And so started running with some friends and started with two miles, three miles, and then kept building up. And my second year of med school, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I was a bandit. Um, at that point, it was a bit more of a cultural thing where it was okay to be a bandit in the Boston Marathon. And uh, So uh, can you... Explain what a bandit is. So one of the, the, the great challenges and, and uh, honors of the Boston Marathon is you have to qualify to get into it. And at that point, I didn't even know that. Um, I was just a young guy, didn't know what I was doing. And 
bandits were people that just kind of packed in at the end of the race and right at the, at the starting line. And it was a, it was a cultural thing. There's people selling, um, bibs that said, uh, it was actually 1995 when I first did it, you know, back of the pack in 1995. So it was a well understood group of people that were going to be out there. And I literally got dropped off on the side of the highway by my good friend, Roy, who was the only person I knew with a car. He drove me as close to Hopkinton as possible. And I had a garbage bag to keep me warm, a bottle of Gatorade, and a $20 bill. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what goo was. I didn't know how much Gatorade you're supposed to drink. Um, and I just followed the guy in front of me and um, thought it was the greatest experience. I didn't know the bandit was a thing. It, I think, has changed a lot since 2013 with the bombing. Um, the security levels are much higher, and so there's much more... Uh, awareness of who's not supposed to be out there. Um, it's certainly running has changed because of that event. But I know in the, the mid-90s when I was there, that was definitely a, a part of the culture of the event. And uh, um, I was fortunate to be able to participate in that level. And, you know, you don't get a medal. Um, you know, it's not like you're doing it for that reason. You're doing it because you're part of the experience. And everyone in the crowd knows that you're not a regular runner because you're not wearing the regular bib and they're still cheering you on because it's just kind of understood as part of the Boston Marathon. So do you actually cross the finish line or do you kind you of do. like ducktail out right before no, you? No, cross the finish line and, uh, um, you know, you get treated like you're part of the marathon. And, and you know, now that I've done many marathons as a, a registered runner, uh, I guess I, I, I probably have mixed emotions about it because I think it's great because it got people interested in running. It got me turned on to running. But I also now recognize how hard people work to qualify for some of these races. So I don't want to take away from that and their um, emotions and experiences. Um, but at least in my case, and probably selfishly, it's really what got me started and motivated. My problem was that the first marathon I did was kind of the granddaddy. <laughs> and so you do other ones, and it's like, how does it compare? And they're all just their own unique experience. Yeah, so two years of training, basically, before you ran your first marathon? Uh, no, probably not even two years, um, probably just under a year. So that's pretty impressive. How was that? Like, I mean, running a couple miles is one thing, getting started, but then let alone running some long runs and pushing 26.2. It, it was a new adventure. Every every time I went on a little bit longer, unfortunately, I had friends in uh, med school that would join me for parts of the runs. And it also was I was getting into my second year of med school, so we were prepping for the, the first part of the Na National Medical Boards. So it was a good break from the studying, uh, and it gave me a little bit of a, a distraction. Um, so it was, a, it was a great, great experience. How many Boston marathons have you run since? Since then, I think I've run a total of 10 Bostons. Have you ever snuck to the back of the pack just to say hello and look at the bandits before? I have not. It would actually be fun, although unfortunately I don't think that this culture exists. Now it's, it's much more... Um, technical because if you you know people are now making copies of bibs mm -hmm. things like that so they can sneak in so that definitely goes on where you'll have you know eight people finishing the exact same number um, but uh, beyond that it's it's I don't think it's ever going to be the same I think 2013 really changed uh, how yeah. that all goes so were you did you run the marathon 2013 yes I was there with a bunch of friends that had also run and my parents were out there um, and we unfortunately we were all safe. We were all finished. You were already um, done. And we were done. So were you at the like? Cause so my ra wife ran Boston, and we met up with them. Like it was like two or three blocks after the finish line. So like, were you getting pushed out, or were you still? We were at the probably near where you were at the family meeting area, which yeah, is about yeah. two and a half, three blocks away. At the kind park. of a block south, and uh, two or three blocks um, past the finish. Um, and we heard the the booms. We literally thought it was a uh, empty uh, semi-trailer uh, just bouncing in a pothole because that's what it sounded like. And I'd gotten a message from a friend who was out there asking if I was okay because they heard there's a transformer that exploded near the finish line. And we decided we we're going to go back to our hotel. And that year we were staying at the Park Plaza, which is walking distance. Mm -hmm. And we walked back to the hotel and they kind of rushed us into the elevators and the um, service elevators to get everyone out of the lobby. At that point, something had happened at the Lennox where people were afraid because there was so much uncertainty what was happening. And we got up to our hotel room and put on the same TV broadcast everyone else saw, and it was just kind of crazy to think we were just out there. Dude, um, that's absolutely insane that you were just there and that you didn't really find out or know what was going on because you were on the ground there until right. you got up to your hotel room. It was It was definitely... Uh, um, it, it was... 
a unique experience. I don't even know, I don't know what the right term is for it because I was surrounded by all the friends I was there with. Um, I was my parents were you know just down the hall, so I knew they were safe. We were all together. Um, the part that was amazing to me was the amount of communication. People were trying to figure out if everyone's okay, and the number of friends and family and and people I work with that had reached out was uh, um, very humbling. And it was amazing how quickly word had spread and how big an event the Boston Marathon is that it kind of captivated the news across the country. And uh, we were very, very fortunate uh, to all be okay. And, uh, you know, the, the heroic efforts of people near the finish line and the medical tent being right there uh, was just that their efforts are amazing. And the efforts of a lot of the runners around that area that stepped in to help out in, in such a challenging time because it was very chaotic. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine what it was like down there. So did you go back then, the year after then, for the race? Uh, the going 2014 was a major goal of me to get back into that one because I, I really wanted to be there to see the response and to be part of the response to it, that uh, uh, the will of the, the people who were running was stronger than the uh, the will of the people that wanted to, you know, take down an event like that. You know, I, to this day, I just can't figure out why you would ever want to damage this event when there's nothing but goodness. It's very international. Everyone is supporting everybody. That entire race course, all that happens is other runners are cheering you on. Uh, if you're struggling, they're saying, hey, you almost, you know, you're almost there. You got it. You're almost at the top of this peak. Or uh, all the people on the side of the race are cheering you on. You've got blind runners, you've got handicapped runners, you've got uh, um, all these different special needs people out there. You've got the Hoyts, you know, some of the most motivational people in the world, and why you would do something to take away from that. And on top of that, the Boston Marathon raises 20 to $30 million you know, for charity and for mm-hmm. great charities. And I just, I, I struggled understanding that part of it. Um, and so to be there for 2014 was probably the most incredible sporting experience I've ever been a part of and that and I've been very very blessed to have experienced national championship from college level you know playoff games and professional levels um international sporting events and and seeing different crowds nothing will ever beat the emotion of the 2014 Boston Marathon it was just the energy from the start to finish it, it, it so was, much higher than previous ones that you've done or even ones it, since the crowd then. support was unbelievable the size of the crowds was crazy um it was very obvious that there was a higher security presence. I mean, you would go by intersections, there'd be dump trucks blocking the major intersections. Um, There were snipers on top of buildings. Uh, In the past, we would always, as you know, my friends and I run by, we'd say thank you to the police officers or Mm -hmm. the volunteers. Now we're saying thank you to everyone. They're all saying thank you for coming back. Because I think people were a little worried that this was going to scare people from coming back to the event. And the response of the running community was so strong. And so meaningful that it was crazy. And and I have to say, I think one of the, the less touched upon issues is how great the people of Boston were to the runners in 2013. You know, a lot of the runners got stopped coming into Kenmore Square, which is about mile 25, 24 and a half, somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people who don't run, you know, you're running in a singlet or short sleeve shirt and shorts and it may be 40 degrees outside and you're plenty warm while running. You get to the finish line, they're wrapping in your blanket and then you go grab your gear bag. When you get stopped at mile 24, 25, and you're a mile and a half from your gear bag, you don't have warm clothes. You don't have your cell phone. You don't have your hotel key. And a lot of people in Boston open up their doors to people. You know, I challenge a lot of my, my friends and patients say, hey, do you know your mom's phone number? Do you know, or do you just type mom in your phone or automatically dials it? And so these families were amazing to these uh, uh, runners that got stopped. And, you know, the Boston uh, Marathon uh, Organized Group, the BAA, did an amazing job of trying to get information out and shuttling people around. But, you know, they didn't get their gear bags till the next day in some cases. And, you know, that, that it's, it, it just speaks volumes to the commitment the people of Boston and the surrounding communities made to support the event and support the people that were part of it. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. The running community itself is so tight and strong. And then to see the whole city that celebrates this every year come together like that it's absolutely it's absolutely amazing so okay so boston's your first marathon you band it in and then you're still in school right mm-hmm. so do you keep did you keep I, running did you kind of stop i kept running third year running? med school there's not quite as much time so didn't uh, didn't do the marathon my third year my fourth year when i matched in chicago for my residency um i 
did a very rapid training program that didn't go so well. Um, and at the time, I had a, a uh, girlfriend in Boston and a very good friend uh, who's also a great runner with a fiance. And so he and I ran it. And um, are we talking I, Boston? This here? is Boston again. Did, I, again, so did you I, qualify? I, for no, that one was another bandit. Abandoned? At that point, I still didn't quite grasp the concept of what went into qualifying for that race. Did you? Um, did you have qualifying times though? No, this was that was my second marathon. I never, uh, okay. I never uh, had run um, another race to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was running three twenty eight, three thirty around that time, and at that time the, the men's qualifying standard was three ten. So I was a long ways away at that point. Um, and then I was in Chicago for my residency and my chief year. I ran the Chicago Marathon, which was a couple weeks after nine eleven in two thousand one. So that had this big emotional component to it and uh, um, then went back to Boston ran it as a fellow and that time I was a um, registered runner for that one so I, I stopped nice. being a bad guy and, and getting in the wrong so way. So place up on the front? Uh, far from the front but uh, was in that Closer one. Closer than the back. Yes. And How uh, was that? Was that any different? It was a different experience um, just because you're right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. What, what made that experience unique for me was at that point I was doing my fellowship with the Boston Celtics and we were playing the Indiana Pacers in a playoff game, and I was sent to cover the game with the team. I made arrangements for dinner on Saturday night uh, at a spaghetti factory in Indianapolis, and our nice. game was Saturday night. We flew out in a private charter on Friday, so it was a beautiful way to travel, you know, no travel hassles, um, stayed in a nice hotel, and we won the game, which we weren't expected to. Because uh, it was game one, and Indiana was the higher seed. And uh, I'll never forget, Coach O'Brien said, Hey, Doc, you're coming to dinner with us, right? And I'm like, how can I turn on this opportunity to spend a night out with the coaching staff and a bunch of players and just see how you celebrate the road after you win a road game? Um, and so he took us to uh, St. Elmo's, which was a steak place uh, right in downtown Indianapolis. And he also ordered for us, and I didn't plan on having shrimp cocktail with horseradish sauce and um, a steak, and I asked the waiter to bring me a potato so I could at least get some carbohydrates, and so I had this big dinner, and then the next morning I had a flight out uh, from uh, Indianapolis to Philly and then Philly up to Boston, and I was up at like 3.30 in the morning, took my cab to the airport, flight to Philly was fine, but the flight from Philadelphia to Boston was canceled because of mechanical issues, so there was a whole bunch of us trying to run the marathon that were pacing and jogging up and down that airport trying to figure out how we're getting up to Boston. And finally, the airline came through with another plane, and we got there late. We all went flying over to the expo to get our bibs, because Boston doesn't let anybody else pick up your bib but uh, yourself. And I barely slept. I was still trying to just uh, shrimp with horseradish sauce. So um, by the time the marathon came on Monday, I wasn't feeling great. And I was wearing a shirt that said, Run Gordo Run, that uh, friends had made for me. And from about mile five on, I was not feeling great in my stomach, and I was getting sick to my stomach. And one of the problems that means is that there's no fluids coming in either because everything I was drinking, I was throwing up. Um, so about by mile 10 to 12, I started cramping, and it became the, the, the death march to uh, um, Boylston Street in Boston. And I will never, ever forget a very, very drunk Boston College student who— made me laugh harder than anybody's ever made me run while I was running. And I'm going about 500 yards, and I'm to stop to stretch and get sick on the side of the road and keep going. And this great, great college student, and only a college kid can do this, gets in my face. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. goes, gosh darn it, Gordo, your shirt says run, Gordo, run. It doesn't say walk, Gordo, walk. So you're going to get up, and you're going to run, Gordo, run. And I said... I got to run for you. That's the funniest thing, and that pretty much made my day. So I ran another couple hundred yards just for this, you know, college student. I threw up again, stretched a little bit, and kept my death march. But at least it made the day. That's hilarious. That's funny. I wish I wish it was a better experience, but one of the joys of running, and uh, as you know from doing many events, you can't predict the weather. You can, can't predict how you're going to feel. You can't predict how you're going to sleep. You may have gotten a cold, you know, maybe the family kept you up at night because somebody was sick, and, you know, you just got to deal with the hand you're dealt that day. Yeah, you just got to learn how to roll with it. Yep. That's the whole thing with races is a lot. Of, I mean, 36 marathons is a lot um, compared to someone who's probably run 100 marathons, and it's not a lot, mm-hmm. but um, 
your sample size isn't that big to figure it out what it is. And in your case, you were eating from cocktail, and that was probably not the most ideal situation. But dialing it in and figuring out what it is, that recipe for success, is tough because so much of that stuff is outside of your control. That That's part of the fun and challenge of running. And, you know, I think that one of the things with my career and, and taking care of a lot of runners and being injured at different phases in my own mm-hmm. life, you start realizing that, you know, you just got to take the hand you're dealt. And it's really frustrating sometimes. And, you know, even this year in Boston, when the weather ended up being super humid and warmer than we all anticipated and training in 10 to 20 degree temperatures here and going out there and having to be between 60 and 70 and you know, 90, 95% humidity, that's not really consistent with our training. So you kind of have to dial back and accept, I'm not going to set a PR today. Even though I may have been in PR shape, it's not going to happen. And uh, you can't get down on it. Yeah, because you got a long ways to go if that hits you early in the race. Right. Especially in uh, longer distances like a marathon. So um, after college, after you're done with your fellowship, where, what, did you continue running? I did. When I came back to Milwaukee um, and came back for 2003, I think, and was very, very fortunate to join the practice that uh, um, I'm part of with Milwaukee Orthopedic Group. I, I I'm very lucky to join a bunch of uh, uh, docs and, and mentors that really wanted me to develop a practice in the style that fit my personality and uh, wanted us to do it the right way. And so it gave me an opportunity to get involved in things that I enjoy, which was really with Badger and Striders. And credit to uh, um, another individual who really got me introduced to people through the Striders and um, then really connected with people, and many of which have become good friends, um, and then slowly built up more of a, a running base. Uh, and those people either became patients or friends or both. And now it's great running the lakefront and, you know, see people all the time and like, hey, doc. And I may not always remember everyone's name, um, but uh, um, it's really awesome. It has to be a very inclusive community. Yeah, it has to be pretty cool to hear it or just to see these these success stories, you call them, of people coming, coming to you with injuries and being able to recover and be back out there on the course or just out on a run, being back to their old self. It is hands down the best part of the job for what I do, whether it be a runner that we just, a lot of it is just talking to them. A lot of it is helping them understand that, you know, injuries happen and let's work through it. It's not going to keep you from running. You just got to change this, this, and this, and, you know, because... Fortunately, unfortunately, I've had a lot of the different little ailments that, that we all get as runners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that people give me a little more trust when we talk about it. Um, but something like that or, or something that may have been a surgical patient that, that's come back and, and uh, accomplished their goals, whether it be running a marathon or a 5K or doing a triathlon, um, you can't beat it. And, and it's very humbling because it's we're given way more credit than we deserve. Um, if you've ever come back from an injury, you know, you had a 15 minute doctor's appointment, but it was your three, six, nine months of the hard work that got you back. So, uh, we're very, very lucky to, to get a chance to, to see folks be successful and some don't make it as well, but for the vast majority, we're lucky. Yeah. That's awesome. So you got involved with the Badgerland Stratters pretty early on coming back to Milwaukee then? Very soon. It was probably 2003, 2004. Um, quite honestly, I believe it was Al Krieger first started making the connection and Al was a, a very competitive biker and made the connection uh, with me with the Striders and uh, started uh, working with more and more folks and really started with covering the, the Strider build-up runs for the marathon. So nearly every Saturday for the past 14, 15 years, I've been out in Lake Park or the other parks that uh, it's been rotating through oh, doing so injury valves. So this goes pretty far back. This is a long time. So it's, it's, it's at least 2004, so um, at least 15 years now. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of time. Um, it's not always the, the greatest weather because it's usually 100 degrees um, and humid because it's Wisconsin in the summer. But it's really fun watching um, and seeing folks discover that they're capable of running and what they're capable of doing. And, you know, you and I speak, spoke a little bit earlier that part of the cool thing with running is that it's all different people. I, I, I love seeing young some more senior, uh, some really fit, some less fit, working to get fit, mm-hmm. um, all different ethnicities, all different religions, um, all political circles. That's the one we have to be a little careful when we run as a group of friends, uh, yeah. not touch on those. <laughs> but, you know, it's really awesome because it, it bridges all areas. And 
it's just a neat way to connect with people. And what better way to do that? Go out for a five, 10 mile run with people and just talk. It's, it's, yeah, when you go out with a run with someone new or the new group or new runners, if you're at a build up run, is there's only two things you can do run and then talk. So the conversations and meeting people is so awesome. The people I've met over the last few years I've been running is just amazing. And the relationships you build, it's, you get a lot in in a build up run. Absolutely. And, and quite honestly, it's, it's been, for me, it's been a great source of friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my very good friends have come through the running community because we kind of all relate to each other. And, you know, in the middle of wintertime, who really wants to get up at 730 in the morning and, you know, put on, you know, four layers of clothes to, to run for an hour and a half? But, you know, we then sit down and breakfast somewhere for another three hours trying to figure out what just happened to the day, but just catching up and talking about what's going on people's families and one of our good friends has a hobby farm, so I learned all about alpacas and chickens and things I never knew anything about. Ooh, um, that's and fun. So, you know, it, it just makes for uh, uh, people that are very like-minded, so we're lucky. Yeah, so um, any fun stories from being the, being around the Badgerland for 14 years? You know, I, I would say that the, the, the best stories really are watching the sense of accomplishment that people have gone through. One of my favorite stories is there was a guy that uh, was running to get more into shape, and I would he was probably a, 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 a more stout guy than you would average see running that you think out there, and he comes in, and uh, he's drenched in sweat in one of those miserable... Uh, you know, July or August mornings yeah. in in Milwaukee, and yeah, where you wait, where you wake up and you're like, oh, it's still kind of cool out. I can get a run in, and then by nine a.m. Well, you're like, oh no, absolutely. And you know, he wasn't one of the early finishers, mm-hmm. and you know, we're out there, so you know, if it's a twelve mile run, I may be out there for three and a half hours uh, waiting for people to come through. And he came in and drenched in sweat, got him some Gatorade and water. We we're talking, and, and he said to me, he said, you know, my doctor said I shouldn't be running, and I asked him why. And, you know, do you have a medical reason not to? Because there's certainly contraindications if you were running. And he said, no, he just said, I'm too big. And I said, well, do you enjoy running? And he said, I love it. I said, do you feel like you're getting more in shape? He said, yes. I said, have you lost any weight? He's like, I've lost 15 pounds. I said, do you hurt anywhere? He said, no. I said, then you should keep running. And the guy goes and finishes a marathon. And I still see him running now. And I'm like, that is just the best stuff because it's not right for everybody. Uh, there are certainly people who should not be out there running, but if it's something people enjoy and it's the next challenge they have in their list and they can do it safely, I think it's a great sport. And particularly in this city where you have a very dedicated group of runners, uh, you have all these different running groups um, that really are as much social as they are an exercise group. Yeah. And whether it be actually running the triathlon groups, you've got November Project, all the other groups that are getting people out doing stuff we don't have good weather for a lot of the year, yet you still see people outside using the lakefront, using the Oak Leaf Trail, using the parks. And that is an amazing part about the city. Yeah, all year round, too. I mean, the groups, right? People are like, oh, you're a runner? And it's like, yeah. And you run in the winter, and what you were just talking about, it's like, yeah, but when you're with people, and then you know we're going to have coffee or breakfast or beers afterwards, and that's a lot of the reason why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the community is just is incredible. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. So what are some uh, common questions you get at like your build-up runs or just from patients like running? Um, it's pretty typical. Like, what are some yeah, what are the, the big stuff that, that we see with the build-up runs, a lot of it have to do with foot um, problems, foot care, shoe wear, um, a lot of overuse issues, which are pretty common in runners. Um, just know, like they, not replacing your shoes enough? I, not replacing shoes, not wearing the right type of shoes, blisters. Um, that, that's a big one in build-up runs because, again, it's so hot and humid here. People aren't wearing good socks or they're not wearing socks, which I still find fascinating. Wait, no socks? No Is socks. I still thing? find fascinating. There are people who still do it, and if it works for them, that's great. I try to be very careful in my career not to try and change routine yeah. for people if mm-hmm. they've never had a problem. But if you're having problems, then it's like, okay, this may be a time to make a, a little bit of a switch. Um a lot of the stuff is overuse, though. You see a lot of people coming in that decide to do a build-up uh, program and haven't built a base, or they're doing too many miles and not taking time off. And, you know, the body does need a break. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the body does need some time for repairing. And if people don't give it that time, then we run into trouble. Yeah, so 
if you know a lot of people runners especially myself something kind of hurts and you still run on it and you're like oh, it'll go away i'll take a day off and then it doesn't and you keep running on it for a couple of weeks and then finally you're like okay something's wrong and then you take an extended period of time off is do you like do you recommend breaks i guess it's case by case basis but is it or do you actually encourage people to go get things checked out more you know i think that there's got to be a happy medium um i think that one of the hard parts about running and if you're going to do an endurance event you're naturally going to get signals from your body saying you should stop Mm -hmm. you know that there's never been a marathon i run where my body's like yeah this is great let's keep doing this there's always been sometimes like hey this is starting to not feel so good but there's a difference between soreness and pain, which mm-hmm. sometimes is a hard distinction for people to make. I encourage everyone, if they have questions about something, get a free injury eval from one of the different PT clinics in town. Come see a doc that, that, that specializes in sports med. Um, a lot of the running stores right now do really good running evals for people just as a baseline to get some idea. Um, if there's something that's an obvious malalignment issue that can be addressed. Uh, so I think that part of it is a threshold of what people can tolerate. Um, I think any pain that lingers is not a good thing. Um, I think that is a, that's a warning sign. I'll tell you the, the one area that people have to be very careful of is groin pain and hip pain. Uh, when bad time starters used to have a graffiti board that did injuries, and I always struggled with answering questions about hips because groin pain oftentimes is a groin muscle strain, you know, a ductor strain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see basketball players, hockey players, baseball players get them all the time. And usually they just need time to get better. The trouble is a stress fracture along the proximal femur can be a devastating injury and it can be career ending for people because if that breaks through and it snaps through, snaps off, you may end up with a hip replacement and you're not going to run on that. So those are ones that I think those definitely need to be looked at. Um, I'm also very, very cautious with um, tendon injuries or tendon pain, whether it be the Achilles tendon, which is in the back of the ankle, or mm-hmm. the posterior tibial tendon, which is on the inside part of the ankle. Um, it's on the left side of your right ankle and the right side of your left ankle, right behind the big bony prominence. Those are two pretty unforgiving tendons, and when they get angry, it takes a long time to calm them down. So I tend to recommend to folks that if you start having problems with those, immediately shut down and get that looked at. There you go, folks. Some basic 101s, which is greatly appreciated. I mean, I don't know anything. Rick, I probably have some... My heel hurts. Is it plantar fasciitis? I don't know. Do I just take a break? Maybe. So it's it, it's it's good to hear that and know that you just got to listen to your body. So being a athlete, you know, you played football in college and you're a, a pretty big runner. How is it working, being an athlete and working with athletes, you know, from the pro level to college? To even just your rec- recreational athletes? Um, you know, I'm lucky. I, I, I get a chance to work with people who are really motivated to get back and perform at a high level. Um, with that comes a little more stress. Um, I, I can't say that I haven't been without an ulcer. Um, <laughs> certainly working with the Bucks uh, contributed a little bit to that. Um, so how did... Let's talk about that. So how did you get in that being the Bucks orthopedic physician? When I came back into town, my uh, senior partner, uh, Dr. John Heinrich, was the, the head orthopod uh, for the Bucks, And one of the reasons that I was brought in was to uh, help him because it's really it's a tough job for one person because it's not just the, the 40 to 45 games a year and if there's playoffs and everything else like that, even more than that, it's the draft combine, it's summer league, it's trade physicals, it's... Um, free agent physicals. It's all the injuries throughout the season that interrupt your day. Um, and, you know, the, the, the part that people don't always realize is that if you go to a basketball game, say it starts at 7 um, and it ends about 9.30, you may get there at 7, 7.05 and leave. If it's a blowout, you might leave early. Otherwise, you'll leave even at the end of the game at 9.30. You know, for a 7 o'clock game, we'd be there at 5.30 and be there till at least 10. And you do that for a lot of nights and it starts taking away from the rest of your life. And uh, particularly for my partner, he had a young family and wanted to be uh, mm-hmm. with his family. So it was nice to have some help for, for him. And then when I took over from him after his kids were getting older um, and he wanted to have more time with his family, uh, my partners helped me in the same way I did them. But it's an amazing feeling when you go from the assistance doc and... and Really, there's not as much pressure on you to that moving over to that lead chair, the the 
pressure definitely gets uh, I mean, amped up. That seems like such a cool feeling, just like that. So when you you so you work for the Celtics, did you know you were going to come back to Milwaukee and like? With the job, kind of having the NBA experience beforehand, or that was, was one. Of, that was one of the attractions of coming back and joining this group. You know, growing up here, mm-hmm. um, I there's always a part of me that said I was going to come back home. I absolutely love Boston, so I went back out there for my fellowship, plus the opportunity to work with people. I did. Yeah. But um, the opportunity to work with uh, my partners was probably the biggest thing coming to this group, and then also the affiliation with the the Bucks was a. Uh, um, a component of it as well. I mean, that's pretty awesome. So how long were you an assistant then? I assisted uh, John for five years, and then I was the, the head ortho for seven. And I had a wonderful partnership and relationship uh, with our uh, uh, internal medicine doc, which is Sam Inaraga, who's a wonderful guy. And it, the, the interesting part about being a team doc is that you have this little community of people that you work with, the training staff, the strength conditioning sometimes some of the PR people mm-hmm. and yourselves. And, and um, you know a lot more information sometimes than what's actually out there. And so you can't always be too sensitive to things that are being written yeah. um, and people who are surmising what's happening. And uh, we always had each other's backs because we knew what was going on. We also knew how much time we put in. And, and um, I'm very, very blessed to have worked with people that always had the athlete's best interest at heart. There was never a time when we made decisions that wasn't in the athlete's best interest, which can be somewhat challenging at those levels. Um, and fortunately, in the organization when I was there, that was always the emphasis. There's no question at Marquette that's always been the emphasis, and the people that were sworn that we all worked together, it was the same feeling. Which has to make it more comfortable for everyone, knowing that you're all going, making decisions off of the athlete's best, best interest, right? Yep. So, you have any funny stories from working in the NBA? Maybe outside of being um, a doctor, just being around the players at all or anything? You know, I had some really cool experiences, uh, and, and, I, and I, I guess I do it that way. I, yeah, let's talk cool I, I, can't, I can't disclose a lot of the stuff that uh, would definitely be some of the funnier stories, but... Uh, what can be you know, disclosed and what can't. Um, <laughs> you know, we had an amazing experience uh, in 2008 when the Bucks played in China. Uh, we flew over on a private 747, and you know I'm short enough that I got my own row of seats, so I slept like a baby. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had a chance to look out in the cockpit as the sun was setting over the Pacific, as we were flying, and it was just it was crazy. And then I was amazed in China that here we've got a police escort everywhere we go, and nobody moved out of the way. Uh, it was just there were police lights going, and everyone just kind of kept blocking us, even though we were in a bus, because NBA players are just such a huge attraction there um the one really cool thing about that trip is that when we went to the great wall of china they blocked off a lot of the highway so we had a straight shot to get there and uh, of all the things i've seen in my life that was one of the coolest experiences the other really neat experience for me is when we played in london in 2015 i think we had a regular season game against the knicks and i went for a run and this is one of the benefits of being a runner is a lot of people were on tour buses, people did a little bit of a walking tour. I ran along the uh, Thames River, went over the Tower Bridge, and when I left, it was still daylight. And as I came back, the sun was setting, which was not a smart move in a city where none of the streets are straight. Um, but it was absolutely spectacular to see the sights as they changed with the um, night coming in. I got to listen to conversations I was running. I got to smell sounds of some of the neighborhoods I was running through. And my, what I thought was going to be a six, eight-mile run became an 11-mile run, and I was just completely uh, captivated by being um, out in that community. It was just great. That's incredible. There's no better way to explore a city than by running it, which mm-hmm. is like the most thankful part about traveling and being a runner is you can just literally go out and just explore yes. and see, see it on foot. I guess one of the semi-funny stories for me would have been in China when I went out for a run, and we went to China a week after the Lakefront Marathon, so I just run. And a bunch of us went out for a run, and we stood out like sore thumbs. There was a seven-foot-tall um, gentleman, a woman with long blonde hair. Uh, let's see, two or three other guys and myself. So you, we could not have been missed. <laughs> and we went running along uh, um, the river in Guangzhou, which is a ginormous city. 
and they turned back at about two or three miles, and I'm like, hey, I just want to keep exploring. I'm in decent shape, and we were told by NBA security it's a very safe city. They love NBA players, and they love the NBA, so we're all wearing some Bucks gear, mm-hmm. and I'm just running along, and uh, I come up to a um, barricade on the road, and I'm running on this pathway next to it, and... I keep running, and this person uh, sitting by the barricade stands up and puts his hand up to get me to stop. So I slowed down. I didn't slow down fast enough, and he may have suggested I needed to stop right away with a, uh, with a rifle. And um, so I started kind of jogging back the other way, took some pictures of it, and um, never was in danger. It was just it was a fact that I couldn't read the signs in Mandarin <laughs> because it's not like there's a stop sign up there with letters that I know. And yeah. so I stumbled upon a place I wasn't supposed to be, and uh, he let me know, and uh, it was just a, became a great story on the way back. That's pretty funny. So you're the team's orthopedic physician for the Box of Marquette. And are you doing that all? Is that, like, was it exclusively that's what you were doing, or are you also working at the... Well, that, that was all on top of my practice. That was, uh, at one point... Between uh, covering a high school football team, the Strider runs, Marquette, and the Bucks, I was covering about 140 minutes a year, um, and it was a lot. But uh, uh, it was something I really enjoyed, and I love the variety of it. And there's nothing like high school athletes who are so passionate about it and so emotional because they're teenagers. Um, and so there was that. And then there's the college students who've got a four-year window to participate in a sport they love. They may never do it again. Um, because, uh, um, you know, it's not a sport that you're going to carry throughout a lifetime or you're going to go professionally with, and to be able to help them continue with that. And the professional ones, where the motivations are very different, um, the financial resources are very different. Um, so it was just this great mix, and I've, I've been very lucky to experience all of them. Do you think that energy and passion you see from, you know, from these athletes help you drive your motivation in running? I think it helps. I think the stress of it probably made me a better runner because uh, it's what kept me uh, um, sane and calm through parts of it. You know, I've always said that uh, for all the stress and the challenges that were there, particularly with the Bucks, and, and there was a lot of stressful times um, and a lot of stressful decisions that had to be made, um, they made me a much better clinician and physician and hopefully a person as well because it forced me to really become more confident to trust the training, trust my judgment, which is easy to doubt. And I'm sure that there's been a run you've been on at some point in your life where you started to feel lousy. You're not, I'm not, I don't have it today. I'm not going to do well. But you just got to push through it because the race doesn't end at mile six when it's meant to be a half marathon. And, you know, I think that that stuff has all helped and um, helped me become, you know, better. Do you think you'd be where you're at today without running? Oh, I think my life would be very different. Um, so much of my life revolves around running, whether it be going for a run, whether it be the people I've met with running, whether it's been traveling because of running, or the experience that I've had by being a runner and all these different trips I've taken. Um, I, I don't really know how it would look. That's a really interesting question. Um, boy, that, that, yeah. that would be, I'd be very, very different. I probably wouldn't be as calm. Yeah, uh, I don't think many of my friends would describe me as calm, which scares me. But yeah, I mean, running—I found running, and everyone has a different reasons to run. Just helps so much with that. Let you just like clear your mind and get all those like jitters out or whatever it may be that can keep you in a place of of stability and calmness at times where you may else not be. It's a, it's been a great part of my life, and and I don't. I, it's funny. I've never really thought about that before, and. As I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm realizing all the amazing people I've met through running and the people I consider friends um, through running. And one thing that I, I've always striven to do is not have my life just be centered on medicine because medicine is great and I'm very, very fortunate to do what I do, but I don't want it to only be medicine that defines me. Um, I want to have other components of my life that, that round me out and... You know, the people I run with, middle school music teacher, hobby farmer, a road engineer, um, HVAC engineer, a guy who's a birder who loves talking about birds, and I love learning about it. Um, uh, Another one that, you know, has got a couple of young kids that love hearing the stories of what's going on with with the kids and playing and the travels and all this other stuff. And 
so so blessed to have that. And, you know, I think my life would be boring without it. It sounds like you wouldn't have as much knowledge outside of medicine. Absolutely. I'm telling you, I know a heck of a lot more about alpacas than I ever thought I was going to know. <laughs> that's so awesome. My side note, my friend has an alpaca farm, so I've sheared alpacas before, and that's a wild experience. So if you have, you haven't, you have to go out there with them when they do their yearly shearing. Oh, we've been offered every time they do. Actually, they just did it yesterday morning. I'm oh, I couldn't make it. it. <laughs> I missed it because it was Mother's Day. I, I unfortunately, okay, well, actually, okay. fortunately, I had a, another place I needed to be. Uh, but uh, yes, I hear it is quite the experience with the sock over the mouth. and It's a uh, wild experience. Yeah, it's some noises you don't necessarily want to hear. It's weird. I didn't think something like that could exist, but it does. So what is the future? Uh, you have anything planned coming up for runs, running, any goals? Um, I have, uh, I'm going with a bunch of friends out to uh, near Seattle uh, for a marathon in July, end of July. And then I have not signed up for it yet, but we'll probably do Lakefront in October because I really enjoy that race. And my parents uh, enjoy coming out and uh, easy for them to get a chance to see myself and other friends that run the race be out there cheering us on, and they still really enjoy it. They've come to Boston for a bunch of years and really enjoy that, even though they see it once out there. Um, we've done the Fall 50 the past few years, and I think I'm not doing it this year. I did it as a Paris team last year with a good friend. Paris? Yeah. Interesting. Paris team, did which you guys was, do half and half or just like split up the routes? We split it up. We did uh, two and three segments, um, cool. so we each ran twice. And the fall um, 50 is so fun. It's it is a great event. Events. We ran it as the Wonder Twins, so we were the, the guys running around in purple spandex suits. Okay. Um, not necessarily the best look for me, but as I told my, my partner uh, my office who thought we looked like idiots, I said, well, if you had a problem with it, you should have beaten us um, <laughs> because I was smart enough to partner up with a really fast guy. There we go. And uh, um, we ended up winning the thing as a Paris team mainly oh, because won? of my buddy. It wasn't me. It was my buddy. Congrats. There's no question. He, I mean, you were part he, of it. Even well, I, give I, him the credit, but you were still part I was of a it. placeholder. He was setting records, um, but uh, there there were some moments in that race last year with the driving sleet storm. I'm like, this is miserable. Oh, um, I heard about that. We didn't we didn't do I didn't do it last year, but I heard uh, Patrick from the Milwaukee Running Group when he was on the podcast told the story that uh, someone from the group was in a porter potty and it started like shaking and she mm-hmm. jumped down. The porter potty blew over. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I can't yeah. imagine. I was coming around Peninsula State Park um, when that the sleet storm moved through, which is and, like the best leg of the race. Absolutely, that, it's gorgeous. You, that's the one where you're down right along the water. There's yes. The trail. That's the best. Yep, and it's absolutely gorgeous. But this poor bird ahead above me was trying to fly, fly in the wind was going backwards. And I'm going, there's no reason we should be out here in this stuff. But it was great. Were and, you able to identify it? Uh, no, I didn't I didn't have Joey with me. Okay. He was actually the other half of the, of oh, the, the Wonder it. Twins. He was sitting in a nice warm car at that point. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but uh, that's always a great event. Um, uh, I, I really love the Lighthouse Run in Racine, so I'll probably do that in mid-June. Uh, I love zoos. And uh, it runs the back part of the zoo. Um, and I always laugh because I'm hoping to see an animal. And I've seen an animal once out of about the 10 times I've run it. <laughs> but uh, um, so I always enjoy doing that run. And, you know, we're, we're so spoiled. There's so many great runs here. I, I forgot next weekend is set in Amai, which if you've never done set in Amai, it's an amazingly challenging course. I have not. Um, it goes from Madison to Stoughton. It's uh, um, uh, celebrating the, uh, Independence Day, uh, 17th of May. And it's an incredibly challenging course that's beautiful and just rolling hills. And uh, when we first did it, my, my buddy and I, we hit the halfway point. We're like, we can't believe we're halfway done. Oh, um, it just the, the miles just click off because you're just never going straight. You're never on a flat ground. You're always going up and down. Yeah, there's a lot of races here. Well, Mike, it was great having you on the show. Appreciate our conversation. But before we go, we have our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I hope so. Okay, don't be nervous. What shoes are you running in right now, and would you buy them again? I definitely would. I'm running in the Saucony Guides. Uh, I was a longtime Adidas runner, loved them, but as with every shoe manufacturer, they kept tweaking them every year. They stopped being the right shoe for me, and again, took advantage of some of our great running stores in town and tried some different shoes, and these have worked out fantastic for me. Love it. What is your favorite route to run in Milwaukee? Uh, I think that what makes Milwaukee a special place to be is our lakefront. And I think to not incorporate that somewhere in a run is missing one of the best parts we have. What makes Milwaukee different than a lot of cities in the country. And um, so either running just on the lakefront, just down um, by Veterans Park, 
and going up at the island by uh, Summerfest. Mm-hmm. Or my other favorite route is actually out of South Shore Park. I think that is one of the most beautiful stretches of the Oak Leaf Trail as you go out of South Shore Park and then cut through by the golf course, and I think it's just beautiful. Yeah, coming back down that route and seeing the city in the summer, yes. oh, it's wonderful. If you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, who would it be? Ooh. Would I bring to Milwaukee to run with me? Um, boy, give me a second on this one. Okay, we'll come back to that. All right, what's your favorite Milwaukee race? Favorite Milwaukee race? I would say Lakefront Marathon. Wonderful. What's your favorite pre-race pump-up song? Oh, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for this one. Uh-oh. Um, nearly everyone who knows me knows that I have a, a fascination with a not very good song, but I own it. It goes back when I was at camp. Um, I may have been a person who bought three rows of tickets for a concert um, involving this particular band, which was an 80s band, and it would probably be the Safety Dance oh, from Men Without Hats. It is an absolutely awful song, but I love it. And it just brings back good memories and good times from when I was a kid. And I own it. I like that. That's a fun song, though. Okay, and then we always ask about goals, but you just rattled off a bunch of your races for the rest of the year. So we'll take that. So back to if you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, who would it be? You know, I would probably say I've got a cousin who we don't get to see very often. I've got a very small family. And uh, we don't see, uh, my cousins are spread out very often, who's done one marathon. We've talked for years about getting together on a marathon, and I'd love to get them to Milwaukee uh, to run Lakefront with me. And I think my mom and dad would love it to see us doing something together um, and to see us being spending quality time together and happy, healthy, and they're getting a chance to share in it too. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for that to happen then. Um, Let's leave our listeners with one piece of advice. My biggest piece of advice, if you are somebody interested in being a runner or are running, uh, is to listen to your body. Your body will always tell you how you're doing. And there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of soreness and ache and feel like you're pushing yourself, but pain that lingers, sharp pains, swelling, things like that are signs that you you need to get something checked out. Otherwise... There's nothing about running, as long as it's pain-free for you, that is bad for you. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate you guys having me. This has been fantastic. Fantastic.